0: This week, we are circling around back to the beginning. If you remember about a year ago, we kicked off our podcast with a discussion on the Hexagon tool and how districts can utilize that to decide how to spend their ESSER funds. Well, Sophia Farmer is back. She is our guest host this week, and joining her is Jack Schwartz. He is a senior research associate and a project lead with the Region 7 Comprehensive Center. Their conversation revisits not only the discussion around the hexagon tool, but how districts can really examine how they've been using their ESSER funds to help decide what to do next with their ESSER three funds through the American Rescue Plan. It's a conversation that goes in depth, gives great example and guidance, and one you are not going to want to miss. From the CISEP team with the National Implementation Research Network, this is Implementation Science for Educators, your weekly Implementation Science tip to support your work at the state, regional, district, and building levels.
1: This is Sophia Farmer. I haven't been with you in a while, so I'm happy to be back doing the podcast. I've really missed doing it. they are a lot of fun. And today is going to be even better because I have with me Jack Schwartz, one of my colleagues from the Region 7 Comp Center. So Jack, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Absolutely. Good to be with you, Sophia. Um, as Sophia said, my name is Jack Swors. I'm a senior research associate at RMC Research, and I'm a project lead for the Region 7 Comprehensive Center. Um, I have spent a lot of time working with states over the last few years, trying to understand the implications of the American Rescue Plan and how best to support districts in utilizing and in implementing evidence-based interventions to accelerate student learning.
1: So I'm not sure if you know this, I think you do, Jack, but back when we started the podcasts, we did one on the Hexagon tool. And the rationale for doing that was um, as we were navigating the nuances of the pandemic and the art funds came out, we were getting a lot of questions from states and districts about how to spend that funding. And so we offered the Hexagon tool as a resource to help in that selection process so that when they were spending that funding, um, what they were selecting was a great fit for what their needs are and was feasible to implement. So it's been a little while since we did that podcast, um, as well as um, there have been multiple opportunities um, or more funding that has come out for states and districts. What are you hearing from them about how states are spending that money?
2: So in many states, we're seeing that districts are only really at the beginning of spending their American Rescue Plan funds. Um, some are still spending sr two. If you're interested to learn more, we'll include in the show notes a link to a new tool from the Egenomics Lab at Georgetown University. And they've been collecting data to track ARP spending for all 50 states where available at the district level. You can click on an individual state and sort districts by percent ARP funds spent. And the resource will be updated regularly. So check back and track it over time. So districts need to really increase the pace of spending now. um, And states need to message this and support districts in carrying that out. But before we ramp up spending, it'd be really helpful to know if the existing interventions are working or if they're even applicable anymore. Sophia, do you have any suggestions about tools that uh, might help? Is the Hexagon tool still an option?
1: It is definitely still an option. I think before we go into the Hexagon tool, I really appreciated the way um, we you mentioned that, yes, we need to ramp up spending. Yes, we need to really message this and support this, but it isn't just about the spending, right? It's what. What of what we have spent already, is it working? And how do we know that? Um, So even before we went back to the hexagon um, and we definitely can, one of the things I might suggest we look at would first be, um, who do we need to hear from to know whether or not it's working? Is it just districts and schools? or can we take a closer look about what our stakeholders, our families, our students, the teachers themselves are saying about what's been purchased, what's been done for districts and schools, and is it working, or do you feel like it's meeting needs uh, to help in this not quite post-pandemic universe that we're living in, um, so I might recommend first looking at our stakeholder engagement tool as a way to think through whose voices do we need at the table, who do we need to hear from to understand what's working, what's not working, and and then lean into that conversation of what might be next. And then, in addition to the to the whose voices do we need to hear from. It would be interesting if um, we take the time, um, knowing that there's a sense of urgency, but really take the time to re-examine the data, not suggesting doing yet another needs assessment, um, those that are typically done, but really perhaps taking needs assessments, looking at is there any additional data we might need to look at, doing a root cause analysis to see if it isn't working um, if we're not meeting the needs um, at this time, uh, what can we do to um, help it work, whatever we've already selected? Are there additional fundings that can be applied? Um, or do we need to select something new? Now, Jack, when we were talking about this before, we talked about using that time um, for data. Can they change their plans, though, at this point? Um, or how they previously spent funds, or do they need to keep going and just add something else? How does that work exactly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So the states can definitely update their uh, state art plans, mm-hmm. um, which were submitted to the U.S. Department of Education. Districts can update or revise their plans and submit that back to the state. So uh, one thing we know from behavior economics is something called the sunk cost fallacy. Folks are concerned if their folks are hesitant to go away from interventions they've already begun to implement, even if it's not working so well. So just to say what's done is done. And if you need to make a change, make that change.
1: And I think that's really where uh, the hexagon could come in, right? So if we go back to the hexagon tool, um, after we've looked at whose voices we might need, after we've looked at a root cause analysis and said, hmm, this may be not be the thing right now, or it's not working as well as we anticipated, we could take that practice or program back through the hexagon tool to help us assess where are their breakdowns in the fit? Um, Did our needs change based on that root cause analysis? Did, um, is it no longer feasible? We've heard a lot about staffing shortages. We've heard a lot about um, how difficult it is to either start something new or um, get the staff that we need to to have a smooth running classroom. So um, is it no longer feasible? Are we able to provide the supports we originally intended um, to provide. Um, so we can use the hexagon tool to re examine all of those pieces um, for sure. Um, I think,
2: I think the ahead. question you asked. Mm-hmm. Did the needs change is really important. We know mm-hmm. that things have been moving very fast, really, mm-hmm. all throughout the pandemic. Um, but the American Rescue Plan is a lot of money. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of urgency at the time that plans were put together. And mm-hmm. the messaging was kind of get this money out to districts um, and spend it ASAP. Mm-hmm. And so, th- going back to something you said previously, you know, the stakeholder engagement process might not have been as robust as Mm -hmm. uh, I think everyone would have hoped for. Also, you know, the, the time to dig in, look at the data, do a root cause analysis. Again, there might not have been uh, a lot of uh, time to emphasize and really dig deep there. And so again, as you said, we're not looking to redo this. But it's a great time to um, take a brief pause, kind of reengage stakeholders, and do your due diligence before um, really ramping up spending. Mm-hmm. So something i've I've kind of said to to others is, um, it's kind of like the Millennium Falcon getting ready to leave Tatooine and jump into hyperspace. Okay. Remember this is uh, episode one, which I guess is episode four. Now uh, a new <laughs> hope they're trying to escape Tatooine. They're trying to get the Millennium Falcon ready to go. They're literally fixing it as it's flying, but they got to orient it in the right direction, fix it up and then lock in the coordinates and make that jump to hyperspace. Mm-hmm. So what needs to be done before we can um, really set the course to uh, September 2024, uh, which is the, um, the final year for the American Rescue Plan?
1: So that brings up an interesting um, point for me as an implementer, right? Um, we have a deadline for spending this money. Um, as much as we would like schools to be funded this way right, on a perpetual basis, um, that doesn't seem to be the case. There's there's an end date for for receiving this, these funds. Um, what what do we do? What should what would you suggest we do to kind of get ready for this funding to end?
2: It's a really important question. So mm-hmm. continuing on in the metaphor, if we're <laughs> we're going at light speed uh, to the end, we don't want to hit a brick wall or right. go off a cliff at right. the end. So I think as part of this. Um, mid course correction, if you will, mm-hmm. um, uh, is also as part of this You know, breath, it's mm-hmm. important to um, determine what your success criteria are, whether you change interventions, uh, tweak, or stay the course. What is success going to look like for you at the school and district level at the end? And what are the data points that you'll need to track all along? Right? Because at the end, that's not the time to say, okay, what data do we need to determine mm-hmm. if we're successful? We need to kind of begin to plan those things now so that when we uh, get to the end, we're already thinking about the funding that we can dedicate to things that are working. So at the end of the day, it, that's not the time to begin thinking about these things.
1: Exactly. When we were talking about this before, and and you showed me the website, and we got really excited about the information. Um, You mentioned that when we were um, thinking about ramping up spending, um, that there might be specific parts of an intervention or a program that were particularly successful, and we could ramp up spending for that part or replicate that in other areas. Can you tell me a little more about that?
2: So that's a good point, Sophia. I think it's important for folks at the local level to really define what the usable innovation is. See, I'm mm-hmm. using my nerd terms. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, an intervention might be off the shelf,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but every off the shelf intervention contains key research-based components. So mm-hmm. what are those key components that really make this intervention sing? And mm-hmm. so, it might not be the case that you are able to partner with this outside organization or continue to implement this off-the-shelf intervention. But again, going back to what are the core research-based components that are being successful, right? As shown by uh, your, your your data analysis and monitoring. And so what does that look like? And so if we know that, so for instance, for high-dosage tutoring, we know that um, frequency, group size, personnel, focus, those are all among others, of course, really important when it comes to effective research-based high dosage tutoring. So thinking about the personnel aspect, it might be, as you alluded to earlier, um, staffing is a real challenge. I know some folks are using uh, high school students to do that um, kind of tutoring and support There's other options you could think about again deepening and expanding that so who else we can think about additional roles for existing classroom teachers, you could think about the role of teachers who are. um, In their teacher education programs and doing training, but need uh, real world real world experience in the classroom, so we can think about deepening Mm -hmm. rather than um, kind of sticking with the same old off the shelf interventions.
1: Mm -hmm. What you're speaking to um, is is another area that we don't often talk about in implementation science, and that is, um, how do we um, thoughtfully think about adaptations to programs, right? Um, So while it might not always be possible, like you're saying, for different reasons, to implement the program or practice with with fidelity, we can make intentional adaptations to that program or practice and take data, be be planful, be mindful, make some certain adaptations um, that will still allow us to um, have fidelity or do the program as intended to the core components that you mentioned, but maybe not exactly as written or what the program calls fidelity, I should clarify. So still doing it with fidelity to those core components, the core features of that usable innovation um, while having to change maybe some of what makes that packaged program, the package program, if you will. But making sure that we're doing that um, upfront, that we're anticipating needed changes. We have data or rationale for what those changes are Uh, We make the changes and then continue to study them so we can build our own body of evidence for whether or not those changes are actually working Uh, so we can continue to invest our funds in that work um, and, and still get the outcomes that we're looking for.
0: So listeners, I hate to break it to you, but we are pausing their conversation there. We want you to take some time between this episode and the next to think about the Hexagon Tool. How can you utilize that to really evaluate how ESSER funds have been used within districts? We also wanted to give you an opportunity to check out the resource that Jack mentioned from Edunomics. So both links to the Hexagon Tool and Edunomics are provided in this week's podcast description. Join us next week as Jack and Sophia continue their conversation on how to utilize implementation science to evaluate the use of your ESSER dollars.